Thank you, brother. Y'all want to turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Text this morning, I just want to read two verses of the book of Matthew, chapter number 2. Beginning in verse number 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Thank you. You can be seated. Looking back at that text real quick there, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, I don't have time to preach all that, but even the city was prophesied, old Bethlehem, Ephratah, though they'll be least among the thousands, the Bible told us that the great one, the king of kings, was going to come from Bethlehem. So even the place is appointed, the times appointed in the days of Herod the king. Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen... His star. Y'all see that in your Bible? See, these are wise men. They know the scriptures. They know the law and the prophets. They know what we call the Pentateuch. They, they know uh, the Old Testament as we call it. They know some things. They said, we have seen his star in the east. I, I want to pause right there for a minute. Because I want to give you a little bit tidbit of current events, if you will. Most of you probably already know it. You've probably already seen it. It's come up on your phone, come up on something. But on Monday, December 21st, there's supposed to be a star in the sky. Anybody heard about it, seen about it, read about it? Now, here's what they say. It is the star of Bethlehem. It hasn't appeared in over 800 years. Now, let me tell you a couple things about this star on Monday, December 21st. Number one... If weather permits, I'm going to at least go out and take a look at it. Now, understand why. I, I hated school. I don't mind telling you. It's amazing that God gave me 29 years of school to get a doctorate degree, and I'm actually a student in, in um, Andersonville University now. As much as I didn't like school, if there's anything I did like in school, I liked astrology. I liked the stars. I liked the constellation. I liked going out. I'm, I'm the one that if they said there's a meteorite shower that peaks at 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm the one that will get up and go out at 2 o'clock in the morning to watch a meteorite shower. I, I love the outdoors. One of the things I love about hunting is I love getting out 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I love looking at the stars, seeing the sky. It's just God's handiwork. It's just God's creation that he spoke into existence, but he put it there for our beauty. That's why he did it all before he made us. He put it there to enjoy, and I thoroughly enjoy it. I like going out and watching the sunrise. I, I love seeing God's creation when it comes to life. But the event that's happening on December 21st is simple. It's, it's Jupiter and Saturn. It's the two largest planets in our solar system. They're aligning up to appear as one to create a brilliant star. So I, I do plan on, on going out and, and watching it. However, I do not personally believe that's the star of Bethlehem, or at least not the star of Jesus Christ. I don't believe that's his star. See, I believe God's bigger and better than that. I, I don't believe that's the star that we talk about that they saw that, that is his star. I don't really think it has anything to do with the star of Bethlehem because I don't think the star of Bethlehem is just an occasional alignment of a couple of planets that comes along every 800 years, and it just happened to happen at the birth of Christ. People go, well, what can you explain? Well, number one, I don't get bent out of shape over things that I don't know because the Bible won't tell me. If you want to know about current events and, and things of what might it have been, 
I would be more prone to think that it would have been something like an exploding supernova. Something that happens, it's a brilliant flash for a short time and it's gone. But do you realize that if those things are millions of light years away, how many million years before that thing had to explode to get there on the day that Jesus Christ was born? Do you understand if it was a star put in place, if it's a single star, a one-time event set for a one-time purpose, God has the ability to put one star there, light it and send it out. I've told you this before, but you need to understand the, awesome, the awesomeness of God. When he created the stars, he didn't just make the stars. That would be awesome enough. He made the stars visible. He made the stars with millions of light years of light already there. If a star goes out today, none of us are going to live to know it. Not, most of our ancestors aren't going to know it because of the amount of time it would take for the light that came from that star before it happened to get here. So I don't believe it just happened to be the casual alignment of two planets. So I, I'm just telling you that because I don't want you to get caught up as in this big some significant thing. It's significant enough to me that it hasn't happened in over 800 years and it's going to happen on the first day of winter in this lovely 2020 that we're in. There is some significance, and I don't claim to know what it is. But, but I don't believe personally that, that that would be considered the star of Bethlehem, as they're calling it. Um, but but that, that was all for free. I'm sorry. That's just current events. That's just because it's there, and you're going to get caught up. And I don't want you to get sidetracked in something that's not. I want you to stay focused on the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ. The main thing, there's a day coming when we celebrate the day when he stepped down out of glory, was born of a virgin named Mary of the seed of the Holy Ghost of God. He is the only begotten son of the living God that stepped out and came down here to save somebody like me that ought to go to hell. And he says, I love you too much to let you do it. I don't want you to lose sight of the main things. So go out and enjoy the star. Take some pictures. You've got a telescope. Zoom in on it. It'll be awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it myself. It's no different than the eclipses and things that we've had. It's just some things that come along and they just happen to come along in our lifetime. But it goes on, verse number 2, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. And here, here's what I want to look at this morning. And are come to worship him. I want to look this morning. I sent Larry the title as the art of worship. I really had another title, but I figured if I gave it to him and he posted in public and y'all saw the title was the cost of worship nobody would come so we're, we're going to look for just a few minutes this morning if we can at, at the art of worship God thank you so much for being so incredibly good thank you for loving us in spite of us thank you that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ thank you for the Christmas season that's coming God that we celebrate the day the Messiah stepped out to come for the souls of men. And God, I thank you for this day, for this time. God, I thank you for those that are here, Father. I know we're very reduced in numbers. I know that several of our own have, have even some asked to be quarantined, God, that, that we try to get past this season of this virus. But I stand assured that nothing's caught you by surprise. There are no uh-ohs in God's economy. There are no surprises. This day didn't catch you unbeknown to you. God, I pray for those sitting out there in the hospital right now. I pray your healing hand would touch them. For those that have made it to go home, thank you, God, for the improvements, God. Even today, as we've heard of a good day yesterday, an improvement that you're hearing and answering prayers. God, I pray you continue to touch the sick. God, I pray for those that are listening on live stream right now. Would you gather where they are, be with them, and give them something, a touch from you? God, I pray especially for these right here in the midst. For these right here that are gathered together this morning, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would move in and do something phenomenal. 
something amazing. I pray you'd remove all hindrances, all things that would hold back, remove the enemy, and remove Satan from his campus, God, anything in the minds of people that would hinder you from doing the great work, Father. I pray would you move on the hearts and souls of each one of us right here, right now, and help us, God, to be a better servant. You've been good to us, Lord. We love you. We trust you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. Worship is, is a lot more than just showing up for church on Sunday morning. Worship is, is a lot more than just making sure that you get to sit in your seat, which is probably pretty easy this morning as scattered out as we are. Worship is, is a lot more than just being seen of others so that they know we're here. Worship is a lot more than just a quick devotion to read through and start your day and then that's all you have for the day. There, there's so much debate that goes on these days about worship. and What is worship? And so much, even within the family of God, that people want to argue about what worship is. For, for those who stand up and praise God verbally, and can I say there's a difference? Worship is a position, it's an attitude of the heart. It doesn't require movement of the body. It doesn't require shouting or running. It doesn't require anything but a true oneness with the Holy Spirit of God. Worship is an inner thought. Praise is an outer thought. You can worship Him without moving. You can't praise Him without opening your mouth. Opening your mouth and raising your hands is a praise thought. And, and we sit in church houses today, and those who raise their hands and praise verbally and openly will complain about those who sit around like a bump on a log, and the Holy Spirit couldn't touch them if he came by in multitude. But then those who sit there who may appear like a bump on a log may well be worshiping. But they'll complain about the ones who are praising out loud, saying, well, I can't do anything because they always just distract me with all that praise they got going on. We, we, we kind of tend to want to argue on things inside. There's so much debate these days about worship, and people want to argue about what worship is. There's a lot of debate surrounding music these days about what's worship music, and what's godly music, and what's devil music. I can tell you, I was one of those in the debate for a long time. I'm Southern gospel to the core, love it. But they just sang Adore, my favorite Christmas song of all times, amazing and then they just sang one of my new favorite songs I ain't never heard before amazing I was one of those that was caught up in what music had to be like I, I was one of those old choirs and old red book hymnals and, and southern gospel music and, and I, I, I couldn't tolerate whatever this new stuff is well that's like the music I listened to in my past that, that's, that, that's got to be Wicked stuff. I was there. When I became pastor of this church, I was there. Until 4 o'clock one morning when God took me to a Hillsong United concert on television. Since then, I've been to two in person. I've been to Chris Tomlin. Had Zach Williams in the house. 10th Avenue North in the house. You know what I learned? They are sold out for Christ. They're doing more for God than I could ever begin to imagine. They're touching more people with their lips than mine will ever come close to. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, washed in the same blood, singing for the same praise, preaching about the same Jesus Christ that I am. What I learned is they're just as real as the rest of us. And I love those guys, and I'm, I'm learning a lot. There's so much debate going on about whether it should be Southern gospel or contemporary. 
There's so much debate going on about whether it ought to be a, a choir or a worship band. There's so much debate on worship going on whether we should have the old pipe organs or whether we ought to have an electric piano. There's so much debate going on about whether it ought to be a, an old-style piano or a new electric guitar. There's so much debate going on over things about whether or not we ought to have drums on the stage. Oh, God forbid we put the most satanic drums up on the stage. If, if the Independent Baptist Church had a convention, you could look on that stage and we're thrown out of it already. If the Independents had it all, that stuff would have to go and I'd be tarred and feathered. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. They wouldn't have no part of it. So if that's the case, I, I, I guess maybe... I don't know. I don't know what you label me as, but if you just got to come up with a name, just label it child of God. Called to preach for no reason at all. There's so much debate that goes on about whether a worship team or choir leaders and whether they ought to wear a coat and tie or whether they need to wear jeans and T-shirts to reach people. There's just so much debate. I mean, can I just tell you that, that if you got out of your bed this morning and, and you just started praising God right then for what he's done for you. When, when you got up this morning, you just began to praise him that, that last night you slept on a bed and not on a pallet. If you just praise him that you slept under a roof and not under a bridge. If you just praise him that you went this morning and got your breakfast out of your pantry and not out of the trash can. If you just praise him this morning that you woke up in your own house with your own family and not with a bunch of people you don't know under a bridge up there in Atlanta. We saw tons of them up there yesterday. People that woke up in the same bad situation that you're in. If we just wake up in the morning and thank him that we have a car to drive, clean clothes to put on, praise him that we don't have to walk to the places that we go. I'm just saying, if you got up out of your bed this morning and you started praising him that you're still breathing, you have another day to praise him, another day to worship him, another day to tell somebody about Jesus. If you just praise him that your heart's still beating because it don't have to be, he just kept it beating. It's him that holds everything in his hand if you just praise him that you're eating breakfast this morning that he himself has provided if you just praise him when you got in that amazing hot shower ain't a hot shower something awesome on a cold morning if you just praise him that you had electricity you had a hot water heater running water and you got to get in and take a shower and then just stand there and oh he's late for church if you just praise him for all the things that he's doing for us if you just praise him for the comforts of the vehicle that you had to come here in this morning and you didn't have to walk here on a foggy cloudy morning if you just praise him that you get to come into a warm building a comfortable building sit on a padded pew if you just praise him that you got to come in here in your right mind and in good health if you just got out of bed this morning praising him and you come in here praising him, that you get to walk into the house of God with worship on your mind. Worship's not about music. Worship's not about instruments. If you just come in here this morning praising him, thankful that you just got to be in the house of the Lord. If you just come in here today with praise, with an attitude of praise and an attitude of worship, instead of sorting through 
all of the stuff. We stood in our closets this morning, many of us looking around and walk in closets, had an assortment of clothes that looks like you're in a Macy's department store, trying to decide what am I going to wear today. People got up this morning under them bridges in Atlanta. They ain't got to decide nothing except where am I going to get something to eat. I'm cold, I'm wet, I'm hungry, I'm tired. I didn't get a good night's sleep. That palate wasn't no good. All these people around me, I don't know, were snoring and talking and babies crying, and they have no idea where the next meal is going to come from. We woke up with all of it, and we come in here not having praised God for what he's done. Praise has to start in the heart. We walk in the doors of this church. We ought to be praising God. We ought to have some, some worship going on. Can, can I just throw another little vowel in while I'm right here? So if I didn't make anybody mad yet, I'll go ahead and get on your nerve too. There is no music. There is no instrument. There is no song. There is nobody that can stop you from worshiping. The reason you can't come in here and worship, the reason you can't come into the house of God and worship has nothing to do with the song. Because somebody worshiped during the song. So it's not the song, it's not the song that's not able to be worshipped, it's you. It's not the song that's not prepared for worship, it's your heart that's not prepared for worship. We can't blame stuff on everything else around us, it has everything to do with us. John chapter 4, Jesus is talking with the woman at the well, and she brings up the subject of worship. In your conversations, it's okay to bring up God's word, but just know he wrote the book. You're going to lose. Go, go ahead and bring up his word. He loves to talk about his word. When you pray, quote his word back to him. He loves you quoting the scripture back. Use it, but understand God wrote it. He knows it very well. So this woman at the well, she brings up the topic of worship. Jesus responds in John chapter 4, verse 21. Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I know we're all family right here, and we all love each other, so nobody's going to get all bent out of shape. There, there's no reason for anybody to be offended by this. I'll just go ahead and put that out before I say it. But when, when you come into the house of God, be careful. What did he say? When, when you come here to worship, be careful who you talk to on your way in. Because everybody didn't come here to worship. See, some people can be nothing more than a distraction to you and get you out of what you came here to do. If you got up praising him this morning and you got up to worship him this morning and you left home to come here and worship him this morning and you were coming in the doors to worship him this morning, then don't let anybody else distract you from worshiping him this morning because some people aren't here to worship. Some just came to be seen of others. Now I'll go ahead and plug in another one. Some of them came just to see. 
They out of info for Facebook last week. They done put everything they knew out there. They got to find somebody to talk about. And it just might be your lucky day. If you praise hard enough, you could be the one. They got to find somebody to tear down that didn't sing good, didn't preach good, didn't play good. Musicians didn't do good. They got to find somebody in here that was dressed wrong, didn't look right, didn't fit the part. They got to find somebody to go out here and tear down at the restaurant on Sunday morning so the waiters and waitress can hear you talking about how bad church was. They wonder why in the name of God would ever go where they go. i tell you why, so they'll have somebody else talk about it. They're going to do it when they get out of the restaurant anyway. You better do a good job of waiting on them. You got to be careful who you come to the house of God and talk to because everybody's not here to worship. God help us. I'll tell you this, if you're not careful, not only will they not worship, but they'll rob you of yours. I'm just telling you, if you came in to worship, worship. It's about him. It always was. It always will be. So just make it about him. These wise men, these wise men, it says they saw his star in the east, and they came to Jesus to worship him. So much debate these days over the scriptures. Everybody's got to think they know something. Everybody's got to be smarter than somebody else. Can I tell you this? If the Bible don't tell it, you don't know it. If the Bible don't give the answer, you, you can think stuff. Holy Spirit may give some guidance. You can believe some stuff. But if the Bible doesn't say it in absolute fact, then we don't know it. How many wise men were there? The Bible says there are three. No, it don't. It says there were three gifts. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit, but, but just things they want us to. How long did it take them to get there? If they travel from the east, some say days, some say years, what difference does it make? They, they want to argue about how, how many of them were there. What difference does it make? What, what, what it says is they saw a star. The text says they saw his star. And people want to debate over all the unimportant stuff that we don't know. Let me tell you what we do know, because it's written right here. They came to worship him. That's what we do know. That, that's what the text has to say. If they traveled um, 12 days to get there, then they traveled 12 days to worship him. If they traveled two years to get there, then they traveled two years to worship him. I'm messing up some of your manger scenes, ain't I? If there was three of them, then three of them came to worship him. If there was 50 of them, then 50 of them came to worship him. Don't get caught up over the details that don't matter. Understand the importance. They came to the Son of the living God because they saw his star, and they came there on that day to worship him. So I want to look at what the Bible talks about here is the, these three wise men. It says they came to worship him. I see some things here that it cost them. See, that's, that's why I kind of wanted to title it, The Cost of True Worship. Because people are like, wait a minute, what? What? what worship? Cost? No, 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 no. If I worship him, it's so that he'll bless me. If, if, it's, if I'm going to worship him, it's not to cost me anything, but it, it's, to, it's to get me some something. I mean, the worship's a connection, right? It's so that I'm in one with God so that he'll hear my prayer and, and give me. You're, you're talking about worship costing me something. Well, number one, in order for them to come and worship, it cost them their time. They had to leave where they were, put down what they were doing. They had to travel. I don't know if it was days, weeks, months, or years. 
because I don't try to know what the Bible doesn't tell me. I do know it's probably some time elapsed because of where they came from, got there. You can look at maps and see some stuff. But the bottom line is however long it was really doesn't matter. Real worship is an investment of your time. You don't get to come in here and plug in at 1030 and check out at 1130. Leave before the invitation's even done. Because you're going to be to everybody else at the restaurant. I'll go ahead and tell you, we ain't going to be nobody nowhere today. I'll just go ahead and tell you, I've already studied this message. We're going to be here a minute. And we sang an extra song. And I ain't in no hurry. That ain't never a good thing. Y'all notice I didn't want to watch. There's a reason. When I know it ain't going to matter, they ain't even putting it on. Real worship is an investment of our time. It has to start as soon as you wake up. When you see people who are true worshipers, I'm not talking about those fake runners. We've even had some of them. I've seen some of them run in this church, and they talked about they're going to do it before church ever started. That's a fake. That's, that's to be seen of men. I'm not talking about someone wants to stand up and make sure everybody else sees them, everybody else hears them, everybody else. Not. I'm talking about true worshipers. I'm talking about the one who come in, and, and they're seeking a one-on-one experience with the Holy Spirit of God, and they can get so lost in the state of worship, they don't know or even care if you and I are even still here. It becomes that experience when the Holy Spirit becomes real, and it becomes all about Him and thankful for what He did, and He begins to move in the heart of a person, and we just get caught up in worshiping when you see somebody that is truly worshiping in the church house it's because they began worshiping in their house if you see somebody is coming in who is truly praising God in public it's because they started praising God in private they didn't just walk in the door and get a switch flipped on when you walk by the ushers and your praise is on and you check it at the door on your way out like a handgun praise comes from the heart it's an attitude the Bible says here that they had to, to travel. It, it cost them some time. The devil will tell you, you don't have time. Well, you need some time for yourself. You need to take some time and just chill a little bit. Lay back and do what you want to do. You need some time. You don't need to be getting caught up in all that stuff. You, you don't need to be going to church all the time. You need to be getting some sleep. You don't need to get caught up in that. He's alive. He's the program they do. Well, you have to practice every Sunday afternoon for four months. You ain't got time for all that. You don't need to be going to all them prayer meetings. You don't need to be going to all that, all that stuff. You don't need to be going to all them things. You, you put too much time. I'll be honest, husbands and wives, if you got one spiritually strong and one spiritually weak, the one that's spiritually weak will tell the other one, you need to stop spending so much time at that church house. The devil wants to tell us we don't have time. Time is a precious investment. Time is the most valuable thing that you have on this planet. There is nothing more. This book is probably the most valuable thing on this planet. But the most valuable item that you have is not your Rolls Royce or your million-dollar mansion or your Learjets or whatever you might have. The most valuable thing you have is not your talent that you can go out and play superstar sports. The most single most valuable thing that you have in your entire life on this planet is time. You can't buy a minute of it. You can't replace a minute of it. Some of you, you go home, you can go to looking because I don't know where it's at. But somewhere on every one of us, there is an expiration date. And we don't know when it is. 
But when it comes, it's over. What we do now is what we do with time. So when you invest your time into anything, you're showing God how important if you invest your time into Him, you're showing Him how much He means to you, how important He is to you. Whatever you invest your time into, you're showing everyone around you that that's what's important to you. People say, but I don't have time. Well, listen, Stings. We make time for what matters. The Atlanta Falcons play in Atlanta, Georgia at 1 o'clock. NASCAR races over there in Hampton. They start about 12, 1 o'clock. Atlanta Braves play up there in Gwinnett County, 1, 2, 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. They get started. Anybody listening? People that are going to the game get up early on Sunday morning. Not to go to church. No, they got to get ready for the game. Now, I ain't going to get up early to come to church. And the game ain't till 1 o'clock. But they get up early on Sunday. But that ain't when they started getting ready to go to the game. See, they started getting ready. They really started getting ready on Friday. Because on Friday, they had to go in the closet and check and make sure what they wanted to wear on Sunday was clean. God forbid you don't get to wear the right outfit to the game. And then on Saturday, they're in there putting their clothes out and making sure everything is, is all fixed up like it ought to be and getting everything ready. So they done started two days early to get ready for this event on, on Sunday. Some of those fanatics, they spend all day painting their faces all up, wearing no shirt. 20 degrees, no shirt, want to paint their body, put on their Halloween costumes. They want to make sure everybody sees them. They want to make sure that everybody recognizes them. But hold on, hold on. They want to make sure that they are fully dressed to fully represent what is truly important. They want to make sure that when you look at them, there ain't a doubt in your mind what team they're for, what driver they're pulling for. They will fully dress the part because they want to make sure that everybody sees them and everybody knows their loyalty to the Georgia Bulldogs, I mean to, the, to whatever team it might be. Everybody wants, they, they want everybody to know what's out there, but God forbid they should be able to look at us for one minute and recognize us as a child of God. I'm, I'm just telling you, we do what's important with our time. We, we, we invest our time in what matters to the heart. People will drive for hours to get to the ball games, hours to get to the race. They will sit in traffic for hours trying to get into one of those stadiums. Pretty easy right now if you get one of those gold tickets, right? That they will sit in line for hours trying to get in and, and get to a ball game. They left six hours early for a 30-minute drive just because they want to make sure that they're on time. But God forbid they should go to a church more than 15 minutes from the house. They'll stand in line, $9 for a Coca-Cola. But you get the souvenir cup, right? You can take it home and melt it in the washing machine or dishwasher, whatever we put them things in. Y'all say, I don't work in the kitchen much, don't you? Or the laundry room. $9 for a Coca-Cola. $6.50 for a hot dog. God forbid that we should charge a buck fifty for the Coke, the hot dog, the chips, and the candy bar at a winter jubilee for, for church. 
God forbid we should charge 50 cents to get in the door and eat $5 worth of food at the church. But it don't matter. They're going to get there early, dress like fools. I'm sorry. Dress like the, the thing that they like, and, and they're going to spend all their money, and they're going to be so proud of what they did. They're going to take pictures. They're going to post it on Facebook. They're going to make sure that everybody knows where they are. But you look through their page, and you won't see nothing about where they come to the house of God and worshiped because they got the priorities out of order. I'm just telling you, we put our time into what matters. I wish I was preaching to you, but I, I, I ain't no different. I've, I've been to ball game. Went one Friday night. Congratulations, Callaway. Even wore a Callaway shirt. I would have wore a LaGrange shirt, but congratulations for as far as they made it. I, I get it. I'm, I'm not preaching to anybody. I understand. Hey, don't be turning the lights off. It ain't time to go home. I done told y'all we ain't going nowhere. Who did that? You turn the lights off if you want to. Philip, don't let them turn my sound off. I don't care what else goes off. I'm preaching. Y'all can go to sleep if you want to. I'm finishing this because it's for me. The, these wise men. The, these wise men. They invested their time. But I see here that they also invested their, their money. That they, they invested the time and the money because it mattered. Worshiping him was important to them. And, and that, that's why they went. I want to look real quickly at, at what they brought. If you look down at verse number 11, there in Matthew chapter 2, when they were coming to the house, they saw, a young, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened, uh-oh, uh-oh, their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, I know I'm meddling now. You start getting into that hip pocket right now, you lose everybody in the congregation. True worship doesn't just cost time. True worship costs treasure. Because if we have anything in our life that is more valuable to us than him, it is an idol in our life. And we'll put it before God. So we can't have anything. Jesus told us. Matthew chapter 6, Luke chapter 12, both record from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So when we look at treasure, before we look at our own treasure, what we got, think for just a minute about the size of the treasure that God gave to you and I. We were lost and separated from God. And we needed a Savior. God didn't just send any blood. He sent the blood of Jesus that we looked at last week. God didn't just send any sacrifice. He didn't just pull something out of heaven. He sent his only begotten son as a sacrifice for me. He didn't just wash away our sins. The Bible says that he made us kings and priests. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. The level of the gift that God gave shows the level of love that he has for you and I. Now you got to flip the coin. There's another side. The level of what we give back to the one that already gave it to us shows how much we love him. That's got a sting to it, don't it? There's a story in the book of Luke. Chapter 7, beginning of verse 36, one of the Pharisees desired of him that he would eat with them. He went into the Pharisee's house and he sat down to meet. 
And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house and brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, began to wash his feet with her tears, did wipe them with the hairs of her head, kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. I want us to see something about the cost of her worship. See, number one, tears are always a sign of the heart. One way or another, tears are always showing something from the heart. But, but look for a minute at this, this alabaster box. See, in Matthew chapter 26, it tells us that this alabaster box contained a precious ointment. In Mark chapter 14, it tells us that the anointment in this box was very precious. Now, if you look up the Greek word, the translating there to very precious comes from a word that also means extremely expensive. All three accounts tell us that she broke open this box and she poured the entire contents over his head. Now, this is a very precious, very rare, very expensive ointment. Just a few drops of it would have filled the entire room where they were. Just a few drops of it, and everyone could have smelt it. I mean, just a, just a few drops on him would have been more than enough for everybody present in that little small room to smell it. This morning, men got ready, took a look along, on this side, on this side, right down the middle. And here we are hours later. And anybody that ain't familiar with your cologne can still smell it. It just lingers on. Ladies, y'all don't get all off because y'all dipped in a little bit of this wrist, and you dip a little bit in that wrist. You dip a little bit right here, and you dip a little bit right here, and then you, you dip a little bit right here, and then you got the spray bottle. And you pew, pew. <laughs> so it got all over your clothes and all over your hair, so everybody got around you, you could smell it. And here you are, hours later, you come in here, and you can still smell it. The box says that this was very valuable. The contents of this thing was extremely valuable. I'll go ahead and tell you, ladies, thank God for not breaking the bottle and pouring it over your head. I can't even smell. I'll be able to smell that. It was very valuable. Why would she break open this entire box and pour out the entire content on the head of Jesus Christ? Because nothing meant more to her. I have no doubt this was her prized possession. This is probably the most expensive thing that she has ever had in her life. I don't know, based on the testimony, I'm figuring she might have been hanging with some people that had money is how she got it because she didn't have a really good reputation. So I can only imagine where she got it, but I do know this. She had it, and it was extremely expensive, and she poured it on the head of Jesus. Now, See, when you get around stuff, you smell like it. I don't want to offend nobody. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Anybody ever, ever go in a gas station that smells like a cigarette? It's, it's better now than it used to be. Some of you young people, you ain't going to believe this. This is a true story. We used to have to get out of the car and pump the gas. Not put the credit card in. There wasn't no credit card. Not go in. Just, just get out and pump the gas. And, and then you had to go in and pay for it after you pumped it. Ain't that a crazy thought? I, I promise you, young people, it's true. It's true. But, but then some people started getting drive-offs. 
So they changed it. And you had to go into the gas station and pay for it and then go out and pump it. I'll go ahead and tell you, too, it didn't have automatic cutoffs. You paid 20 bucks, went 2001, you had to get a penny out of the car and go back in there. I have walked into gas stations in those days, especially those that had that little computer games and the people had their cigarettes. said, listen, if, 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 don't be offended if you're a smoker. I don't mean to offend you. I'm just telling you, for those of those who ain't never smoked nothing, no kind of our life, that stuff stinks. And, 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 and it gets me to coughing and hacking and gagging. And, and I've gone into gas stations and seen three or four in lines and, whew, oh, have mercy. Walk back out and get some gas somewhere else. I, I've gone in after time's changed, and I already bought the gas, so I can't walk out now. Now i got to pay for it. I already put it in. You come out and get in the car, and, and people in the car, your family says, boy, you smell like a cigarette. I'm sorry. Again, I ain't, I ain't knocking you for smoking. That's your business. Your health and your money. I ain't got no game in that. I'm just telling you, the reason it, it, that they smell it is because you got around it. It got on you. You can do it right here at church. You can hug people in the foyer. These air hugs ain't working for me too good. You can hug people here in the church. I mean, you, you can hug different, different men with cologne, different women with different perfumes. I get home, I start smelling like 15 different people. When I can smell, I remember, I can't smell. I ain't smelled nothing in years. I can't even tell if it's gas or diesel fuel in the can. I have to ask somebody to pour it out and see if it's greasy. I can't hardly smell nothing no more. No, I don't have COVID. If I do, I've had it for 15 years, and that's my only symptom. I, 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 can't, I can't smell. I forgot what I was even talking about now. Was, oh, oh, about getting on you. When, when I could smell perfumes, man, I would smell that stuff the rest of the day. you like you take a shower and can't get it off. You, you get somebody else's perfume on you, and, and that's all you can smell. Every time you move, you get a whiff of You look around and see if they're standing behind you. Like that stuff won't come off. What do they wear, man? S.T. Lauder done put some stay on in that stuff or something. I wonder what it'd be like to come in here and get so close to God that he got all over you. And you got to smelling like the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine walking out of here, having been so close to the presence of God, walk into a restaurant, sit down at your, peop at your table, people walking by you say, mm, 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 mm. There's something different about them. I don't know what it is, but they got something they ain't got. There's something special. When we begin to worship, and God says that if we'll draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto us. If we come in here worshiping him, and we praise him, we invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to flood this place, and we're in one with him, we're going to walk out of here smelling like him. Well, Lord, help us. From the comments here, did I see the Pharisees making this text? We, we see the position of their heart. We see they ain't smelling like Jesus. Can you imagine coming here on Sunday morning and get so close to him that, that, that you just feel him all over you? Kind of, kind of like that cigarette smoke. I'm going to wind up offending somebody. Some of y'all done turned me off right there. Somebody call them, tell them to turn me back on. I ain't, ain't been. I feel, y'all feel that smoke on you? I feel that on me. I feel it. It's like it gets on me. I feel it like I can't wash off. Can you imagine leaving here, feeling him on you? Get up on Monday, get out the Word of God and go to worship and, and, and refresh it. You know, on Monday, psh, psh. get up on Tuesday, get out the Word of God, thank Him for what you got. Psh, psh. Just keep on smelling like Him. Get up on Wednesday, do it all over again. You got to do the whole thing because you got to come to church on Wednesday night. 
You got to smell like him all day. I just, I just wonder. I just wonder what it'd be like if, if we just worshiped him in such a way that he just invaded this place. That, that people just began to weep and to cry and, and to worship just because of the presence of God. It can be done. I've seen it. I've seen it done right here multiple times in the month of October. I wonder why it takes an event like that for us to really, truly worship him on a daily basis and, and come in here on October Sundays and see the power of God do what he does. These, these Pharisees, they wonder why that ointment wasted. That stuff ought to have been sold and given to the poor as though they care anything about the poor. See, we show God how much he means by what we're willing to put in. In both cases there, in the case of the Pharisees and the case of the woman, we can see the position of their heart from what they were willing to give. The woman was willing to give everything she had. The Pharisees not only weren't willing to give what they had, they didn't even want her giving what she had, and it wasn't none of their business because it wasn't there to start with. Boy, that sounds awful lot like a Baptist church, don't it? We show God how much he means to us by how much time we invest in worshiping. We show God how much he means to us by how much of our talents we use and invest in serving him. We show God how much he means by how much treasure we're willing to give back to the one who gave it all to us in the first place. But, but if I look back to our text real quick, I'll say in closing so y'all get hopeful. That means I'll close in the next half hour. We see these wise men brought their treasure. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, some might look at these three items. Okay, you got gold. And you got a bottle of Advil and some perfume. Estee Lauder. How, how do they compare in price? Well, can I tell you the gold is probably the least expensive of the three items in that day. Matter of fact, if you look at it in God's eyes, the place where Jesus came from, the place he said he's going to prepare for us, the place where he's going to come get us and take us to, gold is just asphalt. This is what he uses to, to pave the streets with there. The, the, I, I printed you out an excerpt from an article about frankincense and myrrh, just kind of studying a little bit about what it's worth and all the cost and days. And there's, there's some variables, so I'm not going to keep you long, try to give you a history lesson on that. I'll just read this little short part. Both frankincense and myrrh derived from the gummy sap that oozes out of the boswella and the comifora trees, respectively, when their bark is cut. The leaking resin is allowed to harden and scrape off the trunk in tear-shaped droplets that may then be used in a dried form or steam to yield essential oils. Both substances are edible. They're also extremely fragrant, particularly when burned with frankincense giving off a sweet, citrusy scent and myrrh producing more of a piney odor. The shrubby, shrubby treatment, that don't even sound right. The shrubby trees that produce them are native to the Arabian Peninsula and regions of Northeast Africa. The Arabian Peninsula is a peninsula in the southwest of Asia, northeast of Africa, between the Red Sea to the west, Persian Gulf to the east. The southern part of the peninsula is bounded by the Gulf of Aden, the southwest and the Gulf of Oman, um, bordered by the Arabian Sea, actually the Indian Ocean, in the southeast. Myrrh was used as an ointment. It was a healing agent. It has anti-inflammatory capabilities. Anybody know when you're hurting, that's why Advil's so good. It has an anti-inflammatory. Anybody ever had something like your knee is killing you? A doctor gives you an anti-inflammatory and you feel like you can run a marathon. 
Myrrh has an anti-inflammatory agent that they use. Frankincense was used to make perfume because of, of its fragrance. There, that, that citrus fragrance that it makes when put into a liquid form. But, but it's extremely expensive because of its rarity, because of the difficulty to get. Y'all remember when I talked about the color purple, how hard it is to get the reason purple was so expensive royalty because they had to get it from the jellyfish out in the ocean, had to extract it, and, and the, you couldn't really get it. So that's why Lydia, the seller of purple, had a lot of money. Kind of the same with this right here. This is a little bit harder to get, and there's not lots and lots of it, harder for them to produce. It's very expensive, and so when you find things very expensive in that day, you only find it with kings and royalty. You find it used at the burial grounds of kings and royalty. They anointed the bodies with herbs and spices. For those who had money, they, they would use this, this frankincense. But there, there's a much greater significance than just the gifts. The gold pointed to his kingship, his kingly crown. Revelation 19, 16 says he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. He is king of kings. It's written on him. He was king before he came. He was king when he came. And he's king now. He'll be king when he comes back. He'll be king for always and forevermore. There'll never be a time. King of kings and Lord of lords. Myrrh pointed to the healing power of his stripes. Anybody thankful for the healing power? 1 Peter 2, 24. For his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Verse 25. For you are his sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The frankincense pointed to his burial, being poor in, in, in the eyes of man. He was buried with the rich. Isaiah 53 prophesied in verse 8 that he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made, he made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. He came for me. He came for you, for us. He came for the lost. Now, three things real quick. Now, really, I'm in closing, I promise, somewhere around here. Three things, well, maybe more than that. Some things real quick. Some of you may not know about these wise men. Some of you, your version may call them the Magi, but they are philosophers in that day. The Bible says here that they are the wise men from the East. Well, number one, I told you earlier we'd look at it again. The Bible never tells us that there's three wise men. The Bible just talks about the, the number of the gifts. It's highly unlikely that there was three of them. These guys are extremely powerful figures in their day. They are stargazers. They, they are astronomers. They are, in, in a lot of cases, what we call today fortune tellers, if you will. Kind of like those astrologers that go out star and they, they say they can predict your fortune. The, these guys were very powerful in their day they predicted things by the stars so people sought after them now because they were so powerful in their day and so many people sought after them they were also extremely wealthy in their day now according to historians these guys typically traveled in numbers of 12 but there's no real confined number but but they there's almost no instances where they show them traveling in small groups. See, something else to think about here, it never seems to be taught. Remember how we've talked about how dangerous journeys were? 
If you went by sea, you had to run the risk of the storms out on the Sea of Galilee and things that happened. But if you traveled by land, the pathway, the thieves and robbers would stay in the caves and mountains and rob people that came by. Remember why Joseph and Mary traveled in the first place? Remember why they, they've gone to Bethlehem? I heard it. Pay taxes. God, why don't we even say that word out loud in the house of God? I just got ill all over again. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it came to pass in those days that it went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. All went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph went also up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he's of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. That means that all those people who were traveling to get to the homeland had what? They're all carrying money. What a great opportunity for thieves. They, they got to travel through those little narrow passageways with their camels. That's why if you look and you see, we even tried to depict it in the Easter play. There's a crowd of people. They tried to, to travel in large groups to try to create some form of protection. Otherwise, they'd just be sitting ducks. It's just two or three because here they are. They're traveling and, and they're carrying this money. These wise men did not have their own underground tunnel system. They didn't have their own private martyr train. They didn't have their own uh, HOV lane that nobody else could get in. They had to travel the same road everybody else did. They had to go through the same mountains, the same thieves, the same places as everybody else. But, but they had on their camels loads of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Not only did these men travel, according to historians, in groups of 12 or more, but they had their own secret service. These men traveled in the presence of armed guards. These men had their own military type around them, if you will, because of the amount of currency that they carried. So when, we, when they travel here, we see this is probably a large number of people. This is not who you want to mess with. If you're a thief on the side of the road and you want to rob the next one, you better leave this one alone. Because these guys are bad dudes. I'm not trying to mess up your nativity scene. I'm just trying to tell you there's probably a lot more than three men and some shepherds bowed down in the presence of the king. I'm just probably trying to tell you they ain't all going to fit right there in that little space that we put in our yard. and They probably ain't going to fit on that little nightstand where we put our little nativity scene. I ain't trying to mess it up. I'm, I'm just telling you that, that when we look at this, we see the wealthiest, some of the wealthiest, some of the most powerful, according to people, some of the most respected, most sought after men in the land giving their time giving their treasures but they also put down their pride see they were looked up to but they put their pride down because they understood that Jesus was the only one worthy of praise he was the only one worthy of worship if you and I want to truly worship Jesus it's got to be more than just a little hour and a half pocket here and there on Sunday morning. It's got to be an attitude of the heart, a position of a heart. I mean, why, why, why do we come to church? I mean, we're sitting here in the house of God. Why, why did we get up this morning? Why, why did we come here? Just be seen or it's the only day we get to wear certain clothes? Well, what, what was our heart's motive? It's just a personal question. Yours may be dead in line. I came to worship. I got up praising him. I got up. Man, I, man, I had Holy Ghost bumps all over me in the shower. 
I couldn't get here fast enough. I got here early just so I could start praying and I could warm up. You, you may be here for all the right reasons. I, I'm just, just inside each one of us. It's, it's a self-exploratory. Why, why are we here? Is it the worship or is it just, well, it just happens to be Sunday morning, so I'm just supposed to be here. And people say, well, I'm giving my time, and you're messing with it right now. We're probably after lunch, ain't we? Anybody even know? Anybody even care? You're going to make me late getting to the restaurant. It's so important that some are going to get out and walk, get up and walk out as soon as I start the invitation because it's just not important. I give all the time I'm going to give. Boy, I ain't got all up in somebody's lap right now. I ain't give all the time I'm going to give. You give me a chance to stand up and get some movement in this place, I'm out of here. I've been here long enough. Well, I'll tell you, you know how hard I am. I'm sweating up under this thing. Why, why, why did we come? Why, why, why did we come to the house of God? The, the Bible tells us that Jesus loves the cheerful giver. So if you're giving of your time grudgingly, well, you ain't getting a whole lot out of being here in the first place. I ain't going to say you might well stay at home. That ain't a good idea either. I'm just saying we need to get our heart more prepared to worship before we come into the house of God. I, I know we, we messed up right there. I, I know we talked about the hip pocket, and I don't get on tithing. I, I, I preached on tithing, I think, four times in six years, six and a half years. I've been pastor of the church, which really is a dis, disservice to you. I should preach on it more because it's God's commandment. I ought to give you the scriptures more, but I don't. But you may have walked in and said, well, I saw that box in the four year. I was going to put $5 on the way out. You don't make me mad. Now you got to talk about my cigarettes. I, what, what, what you put in there, don't put in there, what you go online and what you charge on your credit card, what you give to the church, don't give to the church, that ain't on me. It ain't got nothing to do with me. That's got everything to do with you and your relationship with the Father. That's got everything with your opportunity to show him how much he means and how much you appreciate the gifts that God gave you and how much you trust him that you cannot outgive him. If you try to give back anything, he's going to give you more. Now, I ain't saying get somebody a $100 bill and walk out in the parking lot looking for one. But I am saying don't be surprised if you find one. I'm just telling you, at some point, if you keep your eyes open, it may not be in the form of a $100 bill, but he'll give back a million dollars worth of blessings if you just open your eyes and look for them. I know, I get talking about money. It just kills everything. But we're so close to closing. I bet I might as well. Maybe somebody mad enough to wake you up. Sunday is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to come together. Where's my worship team? Band, you guys come on. Y'all get to moving around. They'll think I'm really done this time. They'll start thinking it's getting close. Y'all, y'all come on. The, the wise men came to worship. Sunday is an opportunity for us to come together as one. Not to show each other anything, but to feed off one another. Your worship invites a spirit that encourages me. Your worship inspires me. If y'all would get, listen, you ain't never seen me preach good. If y'all just get to worshiping a little bit more, ain't no telling. I've been jumped off this thing. Some of you have been to some revivals with me. Y'all know I ain't got good sense. I try to behave right here at home because I don't want to get fired. We, we, we come here. It's an opportunity for us all to come together. To make it about one thing. It ain't about this. And it ain't about this hip pocket. It's all about him. It's just an opportunity for you and I. To come in here and worship him. These, these wise men gave their time. that They gave their treasure. And they put down their pride. For one reason. Where is he that is born. King of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east. 
and are come to worship him. There's no other reason given as to why they came. Let's sing a song. Y'all stand up and let's worship him for a minute this morning. Who knows? We get to worship enough, it might get on us. It might break out. We might get home in time for dinner tonight. We, we might miss the lunch crowd all together and get there to an open table because everybody's done eating going home. Just don't really know what will happen. If we really sought after the Lord, if we really seek Him in such a way that His presence would show up, boy, I would love to have Him just get all over me. Amen. If I could get you to bow your heads for one minute, those of you praying, continue praying. Bow your heads real quick. Listen, I don't ever want to close a service without an opportunity for somebody to know Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. I don't know which camera's on, but I hope your TV's still on. If you're out there and you've never trusted Christ, if you're in here and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today can be the day. All it takes is you to take one step toward Him. God spanned the heavens and came all the way to within one reach. If you just reach out and take the hand of Jesus, He'll wash away all your sins. Write your name in the Lamb's book of life for all of eternity. He is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If you've never trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, I would encourage you this morning to ask Him to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and save your soul. I don't, I don't have a magic poem. Those of you members know I tell you that every week. I don't have a magic poem. I don't have something to hand you. You don't get to do a lip service to God and walk out of here a child of God. You don't get to say something with your mouth that means nothing from your heart. But if you'll pray from the heart, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm just asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be lost anymore. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ rose on the third day that I might have eternal life. And I want to ask in the name of Jesus Christ, Father, would you save my soul? If you're faithful to pray and surrender your heart to the Lord, He is faithful and just. Old things pass away. All of your sins are cast as far as into the depths of the sea of forgetfulness. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You can walk out of here this morning just as much a child of the king as anybody in this place. But it's the position of your heart. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good to us, God. Thank you for loving us the way that you do, God. Thank you, Father, that I can be called a child of the king, a child of God. Join heir with Christ. God, thank you, Father. Things that are beyond my mind that I can't comprehend, that you'd be so good to me and love me so much. God, I ask you, would you touch each person in this place right now? I pray your spirit, God, would go with them. I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd bless their home. I pray you'd bless their finances. I pray you'd bless their marriages. I pray you'd bless their children. God, I pray according to your word, would you open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there be not room enough to receive it. God, I pray you'd help us as we go our separate ways. Lord, will you put a fragrance on us now, God? Help us to walk out and smell like you. May people see you in the smile on our face. God, I pray you'd help them to see you in a smile through a mask. God, may they see it in our eyes. God, may they just feel it in the presence. May your spirit be surreal on us. You've been good to us, God. We love you and we just want to praise you. 
Thank you that you would allow us to worship you. Thank you so much in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen.